The Diamondbacks on July the 1st were 16 games above 500 and atop the National League West. They were three games ahead of the Dodgers. Today, the Diamondbacks are one game under 500 and 13 games behind the first place Dodgers. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. And to go around Major League Baseball, we're now joined the sports zone by Scott Miller of uh, the New York Times. And Scott, good to have you on the show. A little uh, Jefferson Starship there uh, to lead you in. I don't know if we're still into the uh, the intro music or not, are we? <laughs> oh, always, always, yes. Uh, 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 yeah, love the music and, um, uh, yeah, always uh, eager to hear what you guys have going. Yeah, I never know either, so I don't control that. I just, you know, I did provide the music like 10 years ago and said, let's use these things for intros. But anyway, okay, back to the Diamondbacks we go. And I'd rather talk about Jefferson Starship right now, actually. But uh, the Diamondbacks are uh, fading. They've lost 10 of their last 12. They blew a late lead last night at Colorado. What are people around the game saying about the massive collapse of the Diamondbacks in the last six weeks and why that might be? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it, people want to believe in the Diamondbacks, I, I think. And and I'm not saying they don't right now in terms of – I think the general thought is with guys like Corbin Carroll and Zach Gallon, you know, the, 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 their rebuild, they're certainly further down the, further down the road and closer to winning. When I say people want to believe in the Diamondbacks, that, that was more – you know, earlier in the year, the, you know, in May and June, the big question was, are they, hey, are these guys for real? Are these guys for real? And they, honestly, they re, they played so well for so long that I thought, I began to think, okay, the, 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 these guys are for real. And, uh, you know, then from injuries to pitching to bullpen to, you know, all across the board, things just seemed to slow down and sputter. It has been a problem. There's been a few. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the, the Phillies, Giants, and Marlins right now are the three National League wildcard teams. Let's examine those teams. Let's start with the Phillies. What do you like about them, and what might be some reason for reasons for concern regarding them? Um, you know, health is always an issue. I mean, you know, Bryce Harper, when he was hurt earlier, and, you know, he's he's had a nice, you know, nice gutty comeback, but um, – you know, without him being able to play the outfield, um, he's contributing, no doubt about it. But also worry that it, it's a constant reminder that that um, you know these these guys are are uh, you know a, a, an injury or two away from you know being hurt. But I think I think the experience, I think what we saw from Rob Thompson last year. Um, you know, he's just steady, steady, steady on uh, on the rucker. And the Phillies are a veteran team. They play, you know, they, they play for him. And they also know what they're doing. Um, so I think I think all of all of that's good. I mean, one thing it's easy to forget about the Phillies, too. Remember, early in the season when they lost, uh, you know, early in the spring, Reese Hoskins, you know, he was a huge yeah. part of the middle of that lineup. So it, it took a little while for them to rearrange things and, and um, you know, and and figures get get smooth things over. You know, also Trey Turner had a rough rough start, and he's playing better now. Um, so what were the other teams? You you said three wild card teams. That's the Phillies. Okay, well we'll get to the Giants. Let's get to the Giants next. Uh, you like the Diamondbacks? The Giants are fading rather quickly. Maybe it's just fair to ask how are the Giants seven games above five hundred for the season? 
Yeah, that's a that's a, a legitimate question, um, especially with that pitching. I mean, their pitching now is it's down to like Webb and Alex Cobb, and then they've got like five, three openers. It's like every night is an opener in a bullpen game, and um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, credit for playing above their talent. I think the, the uh, you know, it's the case of the sum of the parts is, is better than the whole, but all starting to catch up to them right now. <laughs> you know, it starts with pitching. Di Sclafani on the sixty-day injured list is is not a. Mm-hmm. I mean that that hurts. Um, so Patrick Bailey, like a keeper a catcher, having to cycle through so many young guys. You know, Brandon Crawford looked older this year. Um, you know, they just. Uh, uh, they just called up the kid. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, um, a rookie outfielder, Matos um, Meckler. Wait, well, Matos. Oh, okay. Wade oh that's right. Wade Meckler. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah, the that's, other one. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Matos has uh, struggled. I think he went back down. In fact, yeah, he did. And now they're trying out Wade Meckler. So, you know, they're in a gutty season, but they just they they they're they're I think. This late in the season, their depth is starting to be exposed. Um, and also, you go with openers three out of every five nights. I mean, eventually, yeah. you know, you, your bullpen is just going to get trashed because they these guys just can't keep pitching every single night. So that's rough. Um, um, and I know we're not going there maybe later, but, you know, as the Diamondbacks fade and the Giants fade, Look up! Here we are again. The Dodgers are rolling, and and, yeah. and I mentioned them in this breath with the, the Diamondbacks and Giants simply because the Dodgers' depth. Um, I mean, they're talented, of course, but coming at you in waves. And over a six-month season, they're going to be right now. They still that organization. You talk about losing Cody Bellinger and Justin Turner and others. But that organization is still far deeper than others, and it, over the course of six months, it shows. It is pretty amazing. It's talking with Scott Miller from the New York Times, going around Major League Baseball. Okay, so the Marlins. Last night, they hit three consecutive homers in the eighth inning. Yeah, uh, they beat Framber Valdez and the Astros. Um, you know, the, you know, Josh Bell has been unbelievable since they acquired him and Jake Berger. Are those two guys good enough to keep them in the, you know, the, you know, the you know, right now they're the third wild card team. Are those guys good enough? That offense wasn't good before that, but it seems like they've, uh, you know, certainly provide, you know, provided some kind of offensive boost here. They have, I mean, they're, they're, the, the Marlins are going to need, um, they're going to need Bell to keep banging and burger to keep banging. Um, I mean, you know, we talk so much, you know, Luis Arise continues to lead the league in, in batting average, you know, Jorge Solar. Um, you know, they've got interesting pieces, interesting team. They've Sandy Alcantara is starting to pitch better. He, he had, a, he did, he was, didn't look like himself earlier in the year. And now he is, that's going to help the Marlins stay in contention. Um, you know, they got David Roberts in the closer at the trade deadline. I, you know, I'm kind of eh on him. I mean, he has his nights. It's nice for a young team like that to have an experienced closer. But, um, you know, obviously Robertson, he's, he's uh, you know, he, he's not his prime anymore. 
but Josh Bell to me is going to be that interesting wild card. I talked to him for quite a while earlier this year when I was with the Cleveland Guardians, and he was so frustrated that he hadn't started hitting yet. And and the weird thing with Bell, I mean, you know, you hit for power in Washington, and and then at the trade deadline a year ago, when the Padres acquired him in that uh, Juan Soto deal, the second half of last year. Bell just did not contribute much, and he, he didn't seem to have. He seemed to have lost his swing, his power. I don't know. I, I kind of thought, well, maybe it was. You know, when guys get traded, sometimes it takes a while to get their feet on the ground. But I kind of thought the second half of last year, uh, for him, was kind of a, a loss because of the trade. But then he signed with Cleveland this year, and he didn't have much power for them either. And, and then you begin to look and. Well, what's is this guy just lost it overnight? And he's finally belatedly showing what he once had in Miami, and not a moment too late for the Marlins. Um, he, he's one of baseball's good guys. It's hard not to root for Josh Bell. Um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of hoping he he's found it in Miami, and it'd be fun if he keeps uh, mashing for those Marlins. Certainly has in the last couple of weeks, for sure. Let's flip this over to the American League. Uh, The Orioles won a game last night. They won at San Diego. How have the Orioles become the current number one seed in the American League? Um, Oh, my gosh. Uh, Yeah, especially as Tampa Bay. The first three months, we were all singing Tampa Bay's praises. and Mm. Here we are, you know, heading into later August. Uh, You know, a couple things. I mean, the shortstop, Gunnar Henderson, um, Gunnar Henderson, center fielder Cedric Mullins uh, is an exciting player defensively. They're strong up the middle, partly because of Cedric Mullins. Um, you know, pitching-wise, Grayson Rodriguez, uh, you know, young guy coming into his own. He's only 23. Um, but more uh, people around that team will tell you, it changed last year when they called up Adley Rutschman, uh, the catcher. Um, it's not often that a young rookie comes in and immediately changes the tone of a clubhouse and immediately becomes a leader. Obviously, usually you have to grow into that position to, to lead. But Rutschman is one of those rare special breeds of kids that has changed, has been able to get the, you know, the change a team. Um, a switch hitting catcher is an offensive force, a defensive force. And, um, you know, along with the other young players they have, as they turn the keys to the car over to their young players, Rutschman um, was that special young player that, that instantaneously changed things. And, um, you know, that, that's all part of why, why they're so good. But, um, I don't know, even with the young talent they have, um, I mean, they're still winning games at a clip far beyond what you might expect. Mm-hmm. Definitely, no question. We're going around Major League Baseball, Scott Miller of the New York Times. Okay, let's go to the AL West. Texas now leads Houston by four games in the loss column after another dominant performance last night by Max Scherzer. Max is now 3-0. and zero. Is he just rejuvenated, getting away from the Mets' chaos? It sure appears that way, Bob. Um, you know, I think what what 
what motivates Scherzer and what gets him going is big games, winning, and the month of October. And, you know, in New York, that's a big stage, and they're all, they're all big games, no doubt about it. Um, but the, when this year's team started spinning off the tracks, and, you know, partly because of Scherzer early in the year, you know, he, he, he had a couple of physical ailments. He, he, he missed some starts. He had that suspension, uh, 10 game suspension on the sticky stuff. Um, and everything started going wrong for the Mets. And I think it reached a point. I was not surprised at all to see him waive his no trade clause at the trade deadline because, among other things, um, I mean, this is a guy, I think, I looked it up at the time I wrote about it. He's, I think the number is he's pitched in nine of the past 11 postseasons for the mm. Tigers, the Nationals, the Mets. And that age, he's 39 or late 30s, about, you know, not far from 40. Obviously, there's not that many years left in front of him. And, and the stat I just gave you, um, this guy lives to pitch in October. And I think getting a second chance this year, given the way the Mets were going, I absolutely think that um, the trade to Texas has rejuvenated him. The other thing is uh, with Texas, I think, I think he's going to love I, – I haven't talked to him since he's been there, but I'm, I guarantee you he's going to love Bruce Bochy. Those two yeah. are made for each other. And the other thing – uh, don't forget, Mike Maddox is the Rangers' pitching coach, and Maddox mm-hmm. was the pitching coach in Washington for a time when Scherzer was there. In fact, when Scherzer won back-to-back Cy Young awards, uh, 2016 and 17 or 17 and 18, somewhere around there, he won back-to-back Cy Young awards. It was with Washington with Mike Maddox as his pitching mm-hmm. coach. So those two work exceptionally well together. Okay, so last night Scherzer beat the Slumping Angels, who uh, – their decision to go for it is uh, backfired yeah. badly here. I know you recently wrote about the Angels. What's your yeah. assessment of where Shohei Otani will be pitching and hitting next season? I still think the Dodgers. It's interesting, in the last few weeks, the San Francisco Giants, there's been a lot of chatter about them. I know they're going to try to go hard for Shohei. Um, I know the Angels, one reason they did not trade him, well, there are two reasons. One, you know, they were actually in the wild card race at the time, and they thought, well, you know, the, we, we need to go for it. But the second reason they didn't trade Otani is they have not given up on the chance to re-sign him. They would like to re-sign him. I don't think up with the money that other teams do, and I think probably Otani is going to want a breath of fresh air and a change of scenery because they just haven't been able to win. That's my own personal guess, but you know, one of the reasons they did not trade him aside from trying to win this year is they are going to try to make a run at him this winter, and they felt like if they, they are going to do that, they need to keep him this year so they kind of have the home court advantage, so to speak, when, when the free agent market opens up. They felt like if they traded him and they gave up all rights to him right now, up being an impossibility to re-sign him on a free agent market it still might end up being an impossibility but at least by keeping him maybe it's a little less of an impossibility 
Okay, you mentioned the Dodgers here twice. Let's kind of end with them. I only got a couple minutes to go here, but uh, you know they're running away with the National League West again. Do they have enough starting pitching in the postseason in October? And what what's the Walker Bueller plan? Uh, um, answer your first question. I don't know if they have enough pitching or not, but it's going to hinge on is one of the reasons they won 12 out of 13 games this year. I mean, this month, uh, aside from the fact that they've had a bunch of games against Oakland and Colorado, two of the worst teams in baseball. So they had a, ske- a favorable schedule as they won 12 out of 13. But the other thing is Clayton Kershaw came back from the injured list and is looking, you know, for not, he's not looking like Clayton Kershaw in his prime, but for a 35 year old pitcher, he's doing things that Clayton Kershaw can do. Um, so he needs to stay healthy, and that's always going to be the thing going into October. It's like, well, if Kershaw's healthy, the Dodgers are going to have a better chance, and we won't know that until we get to October. The other thing is um, Julio Arias, he's had a miserably disappointing year. Um, but his last couple outings, he's starting to show signs of life. So if Kershaw's healthy and Arias bounces back to being what he used to be, that's going to go a long way, and the answer could be, yeah, they might have enough pitching in October. Um, Bueller, the Dodgers don't want to rush him. He had the Tommy John surgery early last year. In a perfect world, he wouldn't come back until next spring. But Walker Bueller being Walker Bueller, on an aggressive schedule, he's really pushing himself, and he's declared that he thinks he could come back the last couple weeks of September. Obviously, it would probably be more in relief. Um, he wouldn't be built up as a starter. The Dodgers haven't publicly gotten on board with that. Um, but that's the tricky part. When there's you've got a guy like Bueller, and he's like hell-bent to return, you don't want to dampen his enthusiasm. The Dodgers aren't going to say, well, he wants to come back, but we want to take a safe route, not pitching until next spring. Um, I think they'll end up being some sort of come-to-Jesus meeting at some point when Bueller says, I'm ready to go. He and the Dodgers are going to have to sit down, and they're going to have to be, have some serious talks about what, you know, we don't want to do anything to risk your arm. Um, but I could see the Dodgers maybe working him in in short stints in the bullpen, but, you know, we'll see. All right, Scott, good stuff. Tell people how they can read your stuff and uh, follow you and uh, what you're doing. Yeah, um, at Miller BBL on. Uh, I'll, I'm still going to call it Twitter. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to use that one one letter they use, but uh, at Scott Miller BBL like baseball. Uh, we're going to New York Times uh, writing. I had a big story on Jason Hayward up the other day on how the speaking of the Dodgers comeback. Um, they still remain the masters of taking somebody like Jason Hayward, who the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, said that they didn't have any use for it. They released him a year early, and he's just done a marvelous job in a specific role with the Dodgers this year, and he's happy. He's thrilled to be winning. He's a great presence in the clubhouse. So anyway, yeah, that's the latest for the New York Times. And, um, um, yeah, at Scott Miller, BBL. Good stuff, Scott. Thanks. We'll be talking. Sounds good, Bob. Take care, buddy.